Abba Father, what a privilege to be before you. Right now, we yield our hearts to your word, the scripture. Lord, we want to be a people of the word. A people who not only are in the word, but the word of God is in us. So even as we examine your scriptures today, we look for hope. We look for something that lifts our eyes above the fray of this world. We ask you, Lord, speak to us through your word. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you and we lean into you as our teacher, whom the Bible calls the Spirit of Truth, who leads us and guides us into all truth. And so even now, we open our hearts, we consecrate our eyes, our ears, our minds, our hearts to you. And we say, Lord, speak. We, your children, are listening. And Father, my prayer is also for those who are here today who are struggling. Who, those who are trying to fight the good fight of faith, but they feel like they have no fight left. Father, would you speak into their hearts, into places where no words of man can reach, but only your word. And so, Lord, grace upon grace, would you release that upon us today? In Jesus' name, everyone said... Amen. Well, in 1964, there was a song released by Sam Cooke called A Change Is Gonna Come. Now, you may or may not have heard that song before. I love that song. In fact, it was voted by Billboard magazine as one of the top songs, top written songs of all time. It was written from a perspective of hope, but it was actually based out of the experience of Sam Cooke's life. See, Sam was African-American, and he was alive in a time when it was a difficult time to live. And he had an experience one time where he and his band had a gig, and they showed up for the gig, and they were not allowed into a restaurant, which was just down the street from where they were going to play, because they were black. It was a whites-only restaurant. And so he had experience after experience that compounded his heart, and one day he said, I've got to write a song about my experience. As any artist does, they express through their heart and their art what's going on in their lives. But the song is not a complaint. It's actually a song about hope. Knowing that even though it's hard now, change is going to come. And so I want to say that to you, that as you look around the world today and the culture that we live in, I've got a word for you today, and it is this. A change is going to come. And so as we get started, a number of years ago, I had become a, a follower of Jesus, and I was in love with God. I was in love with the Scripture. The Word really, you know, everybody has a different leaning or a bent. Some people are really bent towards prayer. Some people are very bent towards worship, which that's a big part of my life. And others are, are bent towards the Scripture, the Word of God. And for me, discipleship and Scripture was something that was very near and dear. And what, for whatever reason, that was the thing that the Lord had me kind of hone in upon as a new Christian, a new follower of Jesus. So I fell in love with the Bible, fell in love with the Word of God. So here I was, this young Christian, and I began to have these odd feelings and inklings that God was calling me to something. Now, you have to understand, I was not raised in a Christian home, so my thing besides sports and drinking beer in high school, was that a sport when you were in high school? It wasn't mine, I'm just saying. So, but the other thing that captured my heart was playing guitar. 
And so when I was in the fifth grade, me and my friend Randy, we took guitar lessons together. We learned on these little nylon string classical guitars who had necks that were way big for our little hands. And we had a good teacher, and we learned and started learning. And here's the thing, he excelled, and I didn't. So I got frustrated. For one thing, I didn't want to learn how to play classical guitar. You see, I had happened upon a stack of records. Anybody remember records and LPs? I had happened upon a stack of records that were like The Doors, Led Zeppelin, and, um, and others along that genre, and I heard this thing in the background. Not the drums, not the vocals, but this screaming electric guitar. And there was something, that's what I'm talking about, I'm about to preach. It resonated in me, and it was like something I had to do. I felt compelled. So as an as a, you know, elementary, then junior high, uh, I found an old guitar. Actually, my uncle gave me an old one that he had. I think it had two strings on it, but I didn't care. And he gave me this little tiny amplifier with this curly cord on it that was old and frayed. And all I cared is that when I, turned it, when I plugged it in and turned every knob up on the guitar and the amp, it sounded really cool. <laughs> Here's what I figured out. Even though my friend excelled in technique and was able to kind of go faster than me as far as learning a lot of the, the theory and all the basics, I excelled in being able to hear something and then turn around and in a very short amount of time figure it out. So while he was a good technician, I had something that was coming from here. And, with a, and on a guitar with two strings, I could, I could play a whole song. I figured things out. And I found that I carried that guitar around with me all the time. Plugged or unplugged, I didn't care. Life happens, go through junior high, high school. In high school, we're at a high school dance, and a local band gets up on the stage to play. And what's crazy is I knew all these guys, but I didn't know they played in a band. And so they get up, and they're playing music, and something goes off in me, and I watch them playing music, and I'm like, I'm going to be a rock star. <laughs> I know none of you have ever thought anything like that, but I thought, that is it. Now, again, this is pre-Jesus, right? I'm like, I'm going to be... And they were playing ACDC and Bad Company and Boston. And I was like, That's, this is that. I'm it. I'm in. So I picked up my guitar again, got out of the closet, went and got it strung and fixed. And then my mom bought me my first real electric guitar. And it was a Gretsch Committee. And it was this amazing guitar. And uh, I had this little amplifier that a friend let me borrow, and I began to play that thing night and day. I mean, literally, night and day. And it was so bad that my mom banished me to my granddad's wood shop. Because she said, I'm tired of this. You can't play it in the house anymore. Go out to the shop. I didn't care. It was actually louder out there because it had concrete floors and, and metal side and roof. And so it sounded great out there. And so I was out there playing and playing and playing. Fast forward, I come to know Jesus Christ. Now, by this time, I'm playing in bands, I'm writing music, I'm playing music, and I've got stacks of gear. Because back in the day, bigger was better. So, I mean, I had big stuff, heavy stuff. It took a truck to set my rig up, and I was all in playing guitar. In fact, when I graduated from high school, I moved to Lubbock, Texas, and I, would be work I was working for my dad that summer, I loved playing guitar so much that I would get up in the morning and play before work. I would go to work. I would drive home as fast as I could, and I'd play for 45 straight minutes and maybe eat. And then I would go back to work, and then as soon as I got home after work, I'd pick up my guitar, and I'd play to 2, 3, 4 in the morning. I did this every day, every day. On weekends, played all the time. 
And what happened was, is I learned really fast. Now I get born again. I'm a follower of Jesus. What does a Baptist kid in 1980 do with stacks of electric guitar gear and a gold top Les Paul? Well, in 1980, he probably threw it on a bonfire. I don't know. Uh, it was just a different day where suddenly what I had lived for, for a few years there, and what I began to excel in, it was like off the table now, right? Because I'm a Christian. You have to understand, we didn't do this back in 1980. Anybody remember? And so it was a very different day, and there were some bands starting to come out, uh, uh, early stuff, Steve Camp, Petra, Sweet Comfort Band. There were these Christian bands beginning to play more contemporary sounds. And then the, the Jesus movement of the 70s with, great, with uh, uh, Calvary Chapels out of Southern California, the Jesus movement, what they did is they took rock songs, flipped the lyrics, and then played them out in worship. So all of a sudden, all this started to converge. So here's what I determined. God has called me to be not a rock star in the secular arena, but to be a pioneer in the Christian rock movement. So, how many of you know that when you have plans, God may have other plans? So while I gave myself to this, I played in several bands. We traveled, we did some tour stuff, we played some big venues, and I was having the time of my life. Some people who don't like to haul gear and set up, I loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved plugging in, I loved opening the case, I loved tearing down. I was all in. And then one Sunday, we got invited to play in Lubbock, Texas for a Methodist church on a Sunday morning. And mind you, we were a Christian rock band, and we were, we were taking some stuff, but we also had some slow stuff that was sort of lend itself towards worship. So we sort of did this mini, this mini concert. And one of our leaders in the band turned to me and said, Jimmy, hey, would you share your testimony? You got an awesome testimony. Would you share your testimony during the service today? And I thought, sure, why not? So I didn't give it a lot of thought because I was more excited about playing. So I get my Les Paul out. It's got a DiMarzio Super Distortion pickup in it. This thing was a screamer. So we're in there on a Sunday morning in a Methodist church in about 1980, might have been two by that time. And, and all these precious, precious, wonderful blue-haired ladies are sitting there <laughs> looking at me. These older guys, and of course, they're looking at us with standing up there with guitar gear and long hair, and, and we were just going to rock out for Jesus, jamming for Jesus. But then it came time for me in the service for me to give my testimony. I'd never done that publicly before. I grabbed a microphone, and something happened. Something shifted in me, where it was like everything went away, and I shared what God had done in my life, how I was raised, how I came to know Christ. And all of a sudden, everything in me changed. And after, I was, after it was done, if you've ever given a speech or shared something or given a testimony or even had an opportunity to preach, sometimes you can do it and you don't even know what you said. And yet, it, it might very well have been the Word of God. It might have been a, a Word of God to people and for whatever reason, I stepped off of there that day and people were coming up to me and saying, that was awesome, that was, thank you, that really ministered to me, or oh, thank you, and, and the whole time I'm sort of numb and I don't even remember what I said, which is a little scary. I was just like, what did I say? Because it was like I just got caught up in a zone or something. 
here's what happened. I had my plans and thoughts of what I wanted to do for God. But God had plans and purposes that I knew not of that were not only for Him, but for me too. Oh, it was very disruptive, Colonel. And so the Lord came in and all of a sudden, two rehearsals later, I'm sitting with my band and I'm looking at them all with tears and I'm saying, I have to quit. And they were like, what? I mean, I was like the first guy there, last guy to leave. I was that guy. I never wanted to quit rehearsal because I was having so much fun playing. And I looked at them through tears. I said, God has called me to preach. What happened was I'd been at a, at a meeting at the church, and we had gone out and shared our faith, and it's called a, like evangelism explosion, if you've ever heard of that. And we got back to the church, and I just had this deep abiding sense that I'm, I'm actually supposed to pursue ministry, and yet it, it was not in my family, it wasn't in my, on the playing field at all, it wasn't in the ballpark. And I got home, and I remember somebody saying to me, Jimmy, you're called to preach. You're called to be a pastor. And I'm like, yeah, I want to play guitar. I just want to play guitar. I want to, I want to hide behind a guitar, not a microphone. Because you have to understand something. This is not my normal nature. This is the call of God onto my life whereby I step up and say, yes, Lord. Y'all don't know that I get sick every Sunday morning. My stomach is doing flip-flops. Just wondering, you know, can I do this? I feel like I'm giving my high school book report right now. You remember that feeling? I get that every Sunday. So, so I was like, I don't know if this is it. And someone said, what do you, you want God to leave a letter laying around for you? And I'm like, yes, please. Because it, I knew when I took that step, because I know my heart and I know my, my makeup is when I step into something, I go all in. So I knew when I stepped over that line, I was going there. I go home that night. I picked up a Bible. Happened to be the King James Version, the authorized version. 1611, baby. I opened it up and it said this, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And have ordained you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give to you. That's John 15, 16. And it was like a scene from the movie A Beautiful Mind. Anybody remember that one? Russell Crowe? When he would see letters lift off the page and get highlighted, that was exactly what happened to me. It was like they lifted off the page, and I knew I had my letter from God. Let me tell you something. Change is going to come. Change is going to come. The only constant we can be really sure of in our lives is this. Change is going to come as Sam Cooke sang. But here's the deal. Not all change is bad. Can I get an amen? There's good change, but there's also difficult change. Change can be hard. Most people I know struggle with change. As I look out around here, I'm thinking, some of you are struggling with change right now. We don't like change, but here's the hard truth. A change is going to come. It's not all bad. In fact, much change in our lives is wonderful. And necessary. But most all change is difficult, and to use that word, disruptive. Oh, the disruptive love of God. The divine disruption of God. Here's some examples of change you might can relate to. Listen to this and see if any of these relate. Change of job or career. 
Sometimes wanted, sometimes not. Moving to a new city. How about getting a new house? How about a promotion at work? New seasons. Summer to fall. Can I get an amen? I'm ready for that change. Am I the only human in the room? We're getting a little taste of it. It's messing me up, i got to admit. Changes in just the weather like we're experiencing right now. How about a change of mind? Change of perspective. How about the developmental stages of life? How about a change in grade? Some of our students right now are changing and shifting and going into a new grade. Some of them are going into a new school. Some of them have graduated from college and they're going off to college. My daughter on Thursday. So I'll be okay. I'll be all right. I'm not going to say much about this, but I'll just say, ladies, the change. I'm moving right along. Men, midlife crisis. I look out in our parking lot and I can tell you who's experiencing that right now. I'm just saying. It's the truth. I'm planning mine. Technology. How about changes in technology? You know, I've been alive a little over five decades, and I've seen a lot of changes in technology. In fact, my iPhone 6 is driving me nuts because it's so slow right now. Ten years ago, 12 years ago, it was a flip phone. Come on, somebody. And now I get upset if I don't get my text up in 0.2 seconds. Changes are coming. How about political winds of change? About every eight years, right? The pendulum seems to swing. Cultural changes. Are things a little bit different than when you grew up? Is it just a little bit maybe different from what you knew when you were a kid? Cultural changes. And sometimes we have good changes, like a needed breakthrough. How many know that's a good change? Come on. Bring it. How about changes in health and healing? That can be a negative or a positive. How about changes from brokenness to wholeness? How about changes like this? I was once bound. I was once a captive, but now I'm free. Those are good changes. How about changes like from despair to hope? From depression to breathing life once again. Good changes. But here's the deal. Not all change is bad, but all change is disruptive. Can I get an amen? amen? Let me give you a definition of change. You can look on the screen there. It means this. To make different in some particular. In other words, to alter. To make radically different. To transform. To give a different position, course, or direction to. To move or change location or place. To make a shift from one to another. To replace one thing with another. Some synonyms that you may be familiar with. To alter, to modify, to redo, to exchange, to remake, to revise, different, transform, transfigure. The idea of change doesn't always sit well with us. What's interesting about human nature is sometimes, even if it's good change, we don't like it. Or we have a difficult time embracing it. Let me read to you from the Scriptures. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 1 through 8. Listen to this. And since the change in the, in the writer of the preacher. 
Verse 1, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. If anything, we know it's this, that if a change is going to come and the winds of change are constantly blowing, as followers of Jesus, how do we embrace change? How How do we practically respond to change? Because here's the only constant in life. Change is going to come. You want a constant? That's the constant. So how do we respond to it? We who name the name of Jesus Christ... And I look out and I see the span of years that are represented here. You've seen a lot of change. You've experienced a lot of change. And let me just tell you this. There will be more. More change is coming. Amen or oh my? (laughs) It's coming. So here's some things on responding to change. Simple, but I want want us to lean into this because as we shift gears, even in the season we're in, not only... In the weather patterns, in the time of year, not only in the school year, which is about to get started, and even as a church, as we shift, as we change, as we transition, how do we respond to that? Here's number one. Just you can jot these down. First of all, recognize that change is inevitable. It sounds like a duh moment. Really? Yes. But isn't it interesting that even though we know that change, we know it innately, we know that change is going to come, we know that it's going to happen, and yet we fight it. Did you know in the Bible, there's a reference to, particularly in the King James Version, of the oxes kicking against the goads. Anybody know what a goad is? Imagine this, a cattle prod today. So a goad was a cattle prod back in that time, and it talks in the Scripture about not kicking against the goads. In other words, there's something coming. The Lord is moving something along and setting something up, and yet we will fight it by kicking against it. Today, to kick against a cattle prod, you'd get a good shock, right? Back then, if an ox was to kick against the goad, they would actually be fighting the inevitable because they're going to be going where that goad is pushing them to go. It's interesting how our human nature fights it. And yet we know it's a constant and it's going to happen. Resign and accept change as normal, healthy, and necessary. So let me share this out of Revelation 21 because this is a good change. Listen to what the writer says. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them, and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. I'm saying it right here in this pause. Change is going to come. 
Verse 4, He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. Come on, somebody. Change is going to come. All these things are gone forever. Change is going to come. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. Change is going to come. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. Recognize change is going to come. It's inevitable. Number two, if you're jotting these down, here's another thing. And this, is, this may be a difficult thing, but you can either, either fight against and resist or you can embrace change. Embrace change. Not all change is bad, and it's our response to change that matters most. You know, I wear glasses now. I didn't always, but there got a point, or it came to a point where my arm was no longer long enough to support my eyes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It gets a little embarrassing at a restaurant to ask your dinner guest across the table to hold the menu up. You know what I'm saying? And so what happened was, I had to go and get glasses. For a long time, talk about not embracing change, I went to Walmart and bought a six-pack of glasses, of reading glasses, and I had them everywhere I ended up through the house. Anybody else do that? You got them laying around? Uh-huh. Some of you are not going to admit it. I had them everywhere. I had reading glasses in drawers. I had them in my vehicle. I had them in the kitchen. I had them in the living And they were just laying around everywhere. It finally got to the point where I realized a change had already come, and I needed glasses. So I went and got my eyes checked, and, and she gave me this nothing in the top, a little bit in the middle, and a lot on the bottom. So I got these transitions. I think that's what they're progressive. And they're awesome. I loved them. But here's the thing. After about three years, another change was about to come. Because suddenly, those did not seem to be working as good as they did when I got them. I wanted to return them and say, these aren't working anymore. I need a refund or a replacement. She checked my eyes and she said, she said, hmm, hmm. She kept saying that as she was looking. And, and I said, what's going on? She said, well, I'm looking at your last prescription. I'm looking at what, what we just revealed in that torture device they make you do. You know, the one where they say, choose, and you're going, yes, no, wait, back. No, 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 yeah, there, no, no, wait, try that again. Anybody feel angst and stress when they're doing that? And in your mind, you're thinking, there is no way this is going to work, right? So, so I'm going through all that, and she's going, hmm, hmm. I'm like, what? She said, well, we're going to need to up your, your prescription a little bit. Being the competitive soul that I am, I'm like, how much? And then she told me, she said, well, you're going to need something in the top now. And you're going to need a lot more in the bottom. So what I've decided to do was embrace change. And here's the thing. By wearing a lens that works and a lens that is designed for me, I now see from a perspective where everything is clear. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning, I used to resist putting them on. Running up in the morning is the first thing I grab for, even before knocking the alarm off. I'm like, where are my glasses? And I put them on because I've decided to not resist change. I've decided to embrace it. And here's the thing, that works in every area of our lives because a lot of it is just our perspective. I want to see through a lens or through a grid that clarifies life for me. 
The grid that I've chosen to see through is the Holy Bible. The Scripture itself. That's called a biblical worldview. Romans 12.2 says this in the New Living. I love this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. We could probably stop right there. But let God transform you. That's the word change. Let God change you, transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Embracing change through the lens of Scripture. Embracing change and saying, you know what, Lord? Here's the guarantee. Things are going to change. And I'm going to embrace the change and go with it instead of kick against the goads. And it leads us right to the next point. View change through the lens of Scripture and the Bible. Listen to this out of Isaiah 43. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator and King. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves, and they drowned, their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. Now that's before, that's a setup for what I'm about to say. Because he said all of this happened. He's saying, this is me. And then he says this in Isaiah 43. He says, but forget all that. Next scripture, yeah. Forget all that. I did all of this, but forget all of that. Because here, he says, it's nothing compared to what I am going to do. A change is going to come. Look what he says. Verse 19, for I am about to do something new. See? And I love another passage, another translation says, do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. Are you in a wilderness right now? His promise to you is a pathway. He will make a smooth path, a straight path for you through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Ah, I thought about today as this morning, as I was looking at that scripture this morning, it began to rain outside. I could hear it. It was loud. And I was like, Lord, thank you for bringing rivers of living water our way. The lens of scripture gives us the capacity to see change and embrace it and be transformed and made new. And then the last one, trust God in everything. Because here's the bottom line. In every change of our life, which is inevitable, which is going to come, to use Sam's language, we have to trust Him. That may sound obvious, and it may sound like, well, well, yeah, of course, but that doesn't mean we're doing it. Just because something is simple or obvious doesn't mean I'm doing it. And so I want to exhort you on this, to trust Him. And here's the question. Do you... Believe that God has got you. That God has got this. Do you believe that God is in control and sovereign even in the midst of a world that appears to be out of control? I thought about our students going back to school this year. You know what my prayer for our students this year is? It's the first year I've actually leaned into and and really prayed this way. Lord, protect them against violence. The only violence I had when I was a student in school was Martha Smallwood. She was the toughest girl in school. (laughs) And even before I was a Christian, I prayed that I would not cross paths with Martha Smallwood. 
a lot's changed to where now we have to worry about guns and knives and bombs. We need to be praying for our students, our teachers, our faculty, our coaches. Amen? And cover them. But can we, in the midst of even seeing this stuff on news, trust God that change is going to come? Last scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. You may be very familiar with this passage. But here's my request for you today. Actually, it's my admonition. Can we together lean into this? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. I know there are people who walked in here where life is going okay. But there are others who walked in here today and you don't know about this hope. And you don't know about this future. And I want you to know through the darkest season of my life, I camped out on that scripture. That scripture was given to a group of people who had been taken away from their homeland and put into exile in captivity. They were taken away from everything they knew, carted off to another nation, and everything they had worked for, lived for, and what God had given them was stripped away from them. And in the midst of that 70 years of captivity, God gave them this promise. I know the plans I have for you. Here's my question for you. Do you know that God has plans for you? Do you believe that God has a plan for you. No matter what things look like right now, do you believe? No matter how it looks like you've been off the rails or derailed from your destiny, do you believe that God has a plan for you and God has a future for you and God has a hope for you? Well, let me tell you, I've made a decision to plant my life firmly on this Word. As for me and my house, we're going to believe, we're going to serve the Lord. And we're going to stand on this. And I invite you today to do the same. Sam Cooke was right. A change is going to come. But we have a God who has plans for good and not for disaster for our lives. To give you and to give me and to give us a hope and a future. Amen? Amen. Could you bow our heads? Let's pray together. Father, we lean into this Truth that yes, change is going to come. But Father, we know that we will have to navigate difficult and disruptive change. But we also know that there's good change. That Father, you, not only do you direct our paths, sometimes you redirect our paths. Sometimes you refocus us, you realign us. And even now as a people, my prayer for all of us is that we would not kick against the goads of change, but know that you are leading us and guiding us. My commitment to you, Lord, and to us as a people, is that, Lord, like Moses, if you don't go before us, we're not going. We will only go as you go. We will move at your pace, the pace of grace. So, Lord, we, we call to you even now as a people. Lord, lead us, guide us, order our steps. We rest in you, and we together agree that change is going to come, but it's going to be good. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen and amen. I want to encourage you in something as we get ready to leave. Um, I have a book in my hand. It's called Tears on the Church House Floor. 
This book was written by our very own Dan Pratt. Wave, Dan. Dan just finished this book. Dan is one of the founding elders of Oak Hills Church, Fredericksburg. He's been here from the beginning, wrote this book. This is a labor of love that he's put a lot of time and years into. And we are actually in the book. Our church on page 33 and following. So I want to encourage you. Dan is going to be out in the, the four-year area. He's got a table out there. You want to pick up one of these books, and it's a book of hope. It's a book about hope and about how God loves us so much He dries our tears. And so I want to encourage you to get this book. Meet Dan. He's out there. If you want to get one, you can. He'll sign it for you. And just let's celebrate that together. Also, I want to remind you that Austin is going to be out there because as we get ready to move to two services, we're making room for more for the harvest. And boy, our children's area right now is busting at the seams this morning. Annette came to me and said, this is why we're going to two services this morning. And so we're going to two services on September the 9th. We'll have a 9 o'clock in 1045 and we're going to celebrate making more room because we believe a harvest is coming good change is going to come amen